glad you're here today. I was expecting to have six of us at church today because it's Labor Day weekend. And so, you know, you lower your expectations and then they can be met. So I hope you're having a great week. I just want to, um, uh, I want to pray because this is going to be a difficult sermon for me to preach. And I actually, I do my little, um, I don't know what I call my little rituals on Friday. And I honestly believe, for me, this is a holy place behind this pulpit. And I need to be very consistent when, when I preach behind this. Am I living it? Am I doing it? Am I saying something to you guys that I'm not applying to my own self? And so it was Thursday or Friday. I just said to the Lord, I don't want to preach. I don't want to do this. I'm not ready. You know, have you ever been in those moods where you can just stay home from church, but you're the pastor and you can't? <laughs> you know, you just want to get in your fetal position. So just let me pray, and I'm, I'm just going to ask for anointing of the Holy Spirit upon my life. Um, and I'll, I'll take in areas where I'm, I'm struggling with right now and, and just share with you, and, and we can do this together. We all struggle, don't we? And... Uh, and so let's pray. Father, we just ask you to anoint me in a way that I've never been anointed before. I ask you to give me the strength, give me the ability to do this. And I thank you, Lord, for the ones that are here today. We just pray, Lord, for anointing on their lives in a way that they have never been anointed. And we pray, Lord, at the end of the service, at the celebration and the communion and the, the blessing and the benediction, that we can leave here with a tremendous amount of hope. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Now, you know that we're at the point of uh, next month we're doing the relaunch of our church, Restored in Order to Restore, and we got the T-shirts, and we, we uh, worked all year with the structure of the church, and restoration starts with, with emotional restoration, physical restoration, spiritual restoration, the restoration of the soul, financial restoration, and I think I said physical restoration. And so in the beginning of August, I just felt, you know what? Before I push the congregation into all this restoration, I need to be consistent and follow up. So I decided that I'm going to go see doctors. And I decided that I'm going to neurologist, I'm going to a podiatrist, I'm going to go to the heart doctor, I'm going to go to a physician, I'm going to get my blood test, I'm going to get everything done. And so that I can announce that I, I applied, did everything, and I, my whole goal is to hike up Half Dome next year. And so it's interesting, last week, if you notice I wasn't here, I had severe back spasms. Now, with tremors, a horizontal and vertical tremors in my hand, therefore they have a nice fight in my back every time I get stressed. And the reason I got stressed, I want to show you a picture. This is uh, um, Jim and Lois Ogan. Now, Jim Ogan is a uh, mentor of mine, and I would contribute if I wasn't in the ministry. I, I wouldn't be in the ministry if it wasn't for him. I worked with him in the early 90s, and his son, Jerry Ogan, calls me. And he says, my dad, who has been 17 years of chemotherapy, decided that, you know what, he's done. And he's, he's coming here, and he's just kind of saying farewell to everybody. He's 85 years old, and he really, really wants to see you, Kevin, to say goodbye. And that was on a Thursday. 
And that's where my back went on Friday. Because I love this guy. I love him to death. And so I was going to schedule him to see him on Saturday. And therefore, Reuben on Friday was there. And I got in the car to go to the doctor appointment. And my back just spazzed out. And I had to cancel the appointment. And I was frustrated because I really wanted to see him. So I said, I'll see you on Wednesday. But then I decided I'm going to take a treadmill test on Tuesday. And so when I was taking a treadmill test, it was very fascinating because I have a friend named Rick Harold, and I want to show you a picture of Rick Harold here. Rick Harold is a guy that in 2015 he flatlined doing this. And do you remember that um, that uh, movie with that little boy that died and went to heaven in 2014? I think I put it up there, and um, it's heaven is real. It's about a little boy that died and saw Jesus and came back. And so he called me after he flatlined. Uh, and, I, and I said to him, did you see God? And he goes, no, it was complete black. And I, and I just flippantly said, you're going to hell, dude. <laughs> I go, make this stuff up or something so you can write a book. And, and, and so he goes, no. And, I, and I, so I felt bad, but I, if I wanted anyone to pray for me, it was him. And so he took it real serious, and he texted me and said, my wife and I pulled over, and I did the treadmill, snapped it out. And then the next day, uh, I went back to Jim and Lois's place, because my back was doing better, spent four and a half hours laughing, crying, hugging, and stuff like that. And I remember giving him a hug, and I said, I'll see you on the other side. I love you, and thank you for investing in my life. I cried on the way home. Because I cried with tears of gratefulness rather than sadness. Because God puts people in your lives at times that you really need people in your life. And so I'm telling you, this, this guy's a miracle for me. So on the next day, I went and got my results because of my treadmill test. And I'm sitting there and, and waiting. And the, why I'm doing this is because... Ten years ago, I was told that I have a congenital heart valve disease, something that you're born with. It's a missing lip on the valve, that your valve really works much more, a lot harder than any other valve. So the doctor came in, and he goes to me and said, well, it looks like the valve is deteriorating. You need open-heart surgery. And yeah, that's what I said. I said, it's very interesting. I'm not feeling any pain. I'm not doing this. And so I said, well, what do I have to do? He said, well, open heart surgery, you have to go in for a week, and you have to recover, and recovery is about three months. <laughs> Thank you. I think I will. I've got many opinions since then. It was surprising. Because I'm uh, three weeks away from a launch, and, and not feeling any pain. I'm not doing anything. And so, because I'm a when, I'm a, when I was young, it was interesting because I was made fun of a lot. I had this incredible, vivid imagination. And when you have a credible imagination, what you do is you put yourself out of reality into something else that accepted and loved, right, when you're a child? But what's fascinating with that imagination, because if, you're, if, you, if you have a capacity of, of worrying, you have to have imagination, Correct? And so when you have a vivid imagination like I do, 
ooh, you have capacity to worry. You go way out there and worry about everything. And so I don't remember if you, uh, you look back for some inspiration. Back in uh, 1975, there was a movie called The Hiding Place. If you remember that movie, that we showed it at our church in 1975. It was by like Corey Tinboom. Corey Tinboom, which was interesting to me, that she was a young girl that lived in the concentration camp and she lost her entire family. And in her book, she says something really deep about worrying. She says this, Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at one time, it is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying does not empty tomorrow or its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. If anyone knows what she's talking about, it's this girl about this. And then, so when I go in in Scripture, Jesus said something that was really deep and powerful too. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. It says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. And so if I'm to be honest with you, I go, I, honest, I get Corey Timboom, I totally get Jesus, but how do you just stop worrying? How do you go, okay, I'm not going to worry. And I'm going to just move on. And see, again, it goes back to worry with imagination because we have these what-ifs in our heads. All of us do this. And so look on the screen. Our brains take those what-ifs and run away with them. It is a result of our fight-or-flight response. What if there is a danger or discomfort up ahead? What will I, how will I handle it? How can I control the imagined situation in order to protect myself, my loved ones, my stuff? Our brains tend to be worried and distracted on many things. Now, last week, Robin preached about religion and how people go to religion to try to get good with God and then hoping that God will bless them and they won't have to go through trials. But if you look on the screen, religion can easily just become another distraction to try to control other painful distractions. Now in the reading this morning, both the gospel and the New Testament reading talks about how bad religion, both passages, how bad religion creates conflict rather than peace. Because all of us need peace right now, right? We live in a society, a world that's crazy right now. And this is the peace that God can offer us. If you look back on the screen in James, it talks about people who are religious head cases. They know a bunch of scripture and religious stuff, but it has not changed their hearts. They are angry and constantly wag their tongues, causing strife. In the gospel reading in Mark, we see OCD religious leaders who are busy policing the action of everyone else so they can have to deal with a lack of peace in their own hearts. Both passages have a contrast here. And if you follow me on the screen again, these two passages contrast what I call busybody religion with a centered peace which comes from a deep inner heart knowing that God's steady, unchanging presence. Now, that's, this is what we need, isn't it? 
an unchanging, steady presence of what? See, follow me on the screen. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above. This is James speaking. Coming down from my Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. See, the thing is, our anxiety and moods are a result of our changing thoughts. I came home pissed. I really did. And it's funny because, you know, you go to worst case scenario, and I don't talk about this because I'm embarrassed about it, but no, I bought a Tesla and, uh, back in March, a brand new one. And, I, and it, it's nice. And I looked at it and I go, you know, because you, you think you're dying in a week. And I go, you know what? I'm glad I bought you. You know, I'm glad I didn't wait for retirement or whatever because I was so frustrated that I wasn't a great company to be at home because my thoughts determine where my emotions go, right? And so they weren't going. And my wife is great, but I wasn't connecting with her because she kept saying, did you pray about it? And I said, no, because I'm afraid to trust. You see? I'm afraid to trust right now. And so I get it, she's absolutely right. But we tend to grow. What happens, our worries become our ultimate, in our heads, reality. And so therefore, I just predicted what's going to happen in the next six months and the next six, seven months. And then when you begin to worry, that becomes your truth. And so here, this is interesting. So where should my truth be in? On the screen, God, the great I am, and God, the agape love. God, agape, is not a thought or a feeling that changes. It just is, and it's always there. There's a place that I need to go into for the peace that passes all understanding. See, the thing is, what's fascinating to me, who am I now? Am I my thoughts? Am I my feelings? Am I my personality? Who is the I am here? Because if you look at the word personality, you'll find out it's from the Greek word, which simply means mask. So my personality is simply a mask. But who am I now? How do I connect with the God that I need to connect now? Or, because the thing is, when I get past this, past my personality, past my feelings, past my emotions, then I'm left with my inner self, what we call the heart. Look on the screen. The inner self or heart is where I am. That true I, which also does not change, is what is anchored to God, the great I am, who does not change. Whatever is happening in our external world and whatever thoughts are troubling us, do not have access to this secret in a room where the true I is in the communion with the great I am. You know, I didn't realize this restored in order to restore is deep stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, because I don't think this is a coincidence when I'm about to bring this church into restoration. That it's almost like God's going, okay, we're going to take you to another level that you've never been, Kevin. 
And I go, dang, dude, this is nuts. See, this is where it's important to understand that in a room that I want to go to where it's just me and God, there's clutter. There's clutter around. It's like hoarding in a spiritual sense. In fact, if you look on the screen, the clutter is all the way we have a will for something other than to be in constant communion with God. It is where our destructive motives are buried below our consciousness. I don't know if you've ever said things that you go, why am I saying this? What is coming out of my mouth right now? This is not who I am. Or you have these out-of-body experience of temper or anger, and you're saying things, and you're watching yourself say it, and you go, this is not who I am. Why am I acting in such a fearful way? Why am I acting in such an angry way? And you're going, where in the world are these crazy thoughts coming from? But if you look on the screen, they all come from that same clutter room in our hearts. It's not who you are. It is not. All summer we have been preaching, I've been preaching about the road to restoration, but we can't ever expel to be restored if we never deal with the inner clutter of who we think we are. We can't do it. And here's the thing. The American evangelical churches that I grew up never taught me how to go to this inner sanctum within myself that's just me and God. Because I have been taught all my life is behavior modification, which makes says, look, you need to act this way, or you, if you don't, you're going to piss God off. And so I, I grew up that God is a very judgmental God rather than that God is a compassionate, loving God. He wants to heal because behavior modification is saying, look, I'm happy, praise the Lord. He is risen, he is risen indeed. But I got this brokenness within myself that needs to be. But what's the solution? How do we deal with this stuff? If you look on the screen, learning to pray in a way is to declutter the heart because it is not a job that we can do ourselves. It is a process of grace done by God with our cooperation Prayer is a way we intentionally open the door for God to come in and clean it. It's important to understand the sermon that we're going to, I'm going to take us through a step that I am taking right now. It's a process of prayer. It's a process of deeper prayer that I've never had to go in fact, this is a quick review because the grace track, if you notice, Brooke led worship for the first time in months. He wasn't on disciplinary problems. <laughs> we hope he got rid of that sin in his life. Praise God. <laughs> he, he wrote this. He wrote the entire grace track, which grace track is we're taking the, st- uh, the leadership through it starting in mid-September. And then the church is going to learn this process if you sign up in February. And so, in the, and, and so if you open your bulletin, and you can follow me on the bulletin insert, and these are prayers, that I, a prayer guide that I'm learning right now to teach that when the disciples ask, teach us to pray. And Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We all know it. And we all quoted at funerals and quoted 
stuff like this. But man, it's a, it's a format on how we should pray. In fact, if you look on the screen, the, the Lord's Prayer is a guide and path that teaches us to pray in different levels of awareness. But it is also a path of prayer that helps us reach new levels of awareness that declutters the heart and which restores and liberates us. It's really the path to restoration. Look on the screen. There are two ways of being in this world. There is an active life and a contemplative life. The active life is about our many concerns and activities. The contemplative life is a still point in our inner heart that is aware of our constant communion with God. The active life is filled with changing activities, thoughts, and emotions. But the contemplative life is aware and anchored into the unchanging loving presence of God beyond thoughts and world. So there's part of me that's living in today's world, but part of me is knowing without a doubt that I'm in the presence with God. And so Christian Christian teachers who have taught this active, contemplative with our active lives is something that we all need for restoration. Back on the screen, and this is like a tongue twister, lower active, higher active, lower contemplative, higher contemplative, the higher active and lower contemplative overlap so they are active and contemplative lives interlink. The Lord prayers gives us a guide through these level of awareness. The first one here, it's on the screen, the overall goal of prayer. What is the overall goal of prayer? How do we do it? It begins, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The overall goal of prayer teaches us a new reflex. And this is where I have to apply to myself too. It's called let go and let God. Oh, yeah, amen. But you didn't get the news I got. You got look. You know, the more people I talk to, I'm telling you right now, I got people out of woodwork or knowing surgeons and all of this, the more scared I get. I really do. And so what, what's interesting here is this is a deep sense of what it is, the beginning of total surrendering to God. But when you don't trust God, you don't want to surrender to God. You see? But God will get us to a point where you guys, you got to trust me on this. There's two times in the last couple weeks, uh, the last couple days, that I've felt the presence of the Holy Spirit say, you got to trust me on this. I knew it. And it was most amazing why I'm not connecting emotionally with my wife in the last couple of days. The Lord gave her the same sense too. And so when you have a spouse that's peace and has a peace of God in the situation, you don't connect unless you connect with the peace of God too. And so it's surrendering. It's totally surrendering. This is why the Apostle Paul, who had the crappiest life on the planet, said this, Do not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request, not your demand, 
be known to God. Easier said than done. Because have you prayed worries? It's called worry prayer. It's really fascinating when you do this. Because sometimes our prayer is not surrendering, but our prayer is worrying. We're telling God, look, I need my life easier. I, I, I need, you know, you know how people say, well, God's not going to give you anything you can't take. And you go, well, I just told God I can't take this. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah, my grace is sufficient. <laughs> I, okay, I get it. It's going to come, but I'm not there yet. But this does not mean that God is going to give you everything you want. But if you expect God to give you what you want, then it's about your will, and it's not about his will. Prayer is about letting go. But Jesus knew that it was easier. It's easier said than done about letting go. And this is where the next part of the prayer is what I would call the level of awareness. Number two, the lower active level of prayer. Give us our day. Give us today our daily prayer, our daily bread. The lower active level of awareness is a typical fight or flight. It's about survival because this is what we do. When things aren't going right or things that we don't expect, we just go, oh, I need to get control of this. Because if anyone's a control freak, it's me. It's you too. You're a control freak too. We're all control freaks. You know that, right? But we become aware in our autopilot when something goes wrong, we go into the worry place. And we have different levels of anxiety. And what I put on the screen, we have what's called the gimme prayers. Not the gummy bear prayers, but the gimme prayers. You know, the gimme prayers are, Lord, give me this and give me that and give me this. And, and it's great to, at a starting point. And thankful God does not answer every gimme prayer because I would be still married to the, my first girlfriend, which would be a nightmare. He didn't give me that, thank God. And so give me prayers, if you look on the screen, build a bridge for us to God. We reach past ourselves and our own resources and look to God for what we need. It's often the way we begin to build a prayer life. So the give me prayers are a great start to our prayer life. But, we, but what the tenet is, is that we get stuck in the gimme prayers. And so therefore, we really never get to the deep part of who I am and who God is in that inner room, that sanctum room that is solid and unmoving. Number three is a higher active level of prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, if you look at the outline on the bulletin, remember level three and level four overlap. And that the overlapping level is called the higher active and lower contemplative level. Back on the screen. In these overlapping levels, there is a shift of consciousness that happens. A person moves from not really being self-aware to being able to go inside and find out what is going on in there. This is, I think, therefore I am level. In the level prayer, shifts from a lot of talking to God about our agendas to move and listening to God's agenda for us. And the level usually begins God having to purge us from this destructive junk that we have that's preventing us to go in that inner room with God. 
God often allows us to go through hard experiences. He often allows us to get in that what ifs situations. I won't know until September 18th. Right now, it seems years away that all the test results will come back and I'll know what the next step is. This is where God's moving. I didn't ask for this, but this is what he's doing. He's moving in a crazy way that I did not expect. Look on the screen. In the lower level of prayer, when we pray for forgiveness of sin, usually because we are scared of praying, give me heaven because I don't want to go to hell. But in the higher active, lower contemplative level, we pray for the forgiveness of sin because we understand how destructive it is to us and to others. We also become more gracious because we understand that others struggle with sin just as we do. So therefore, we can pray most more honestly, forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sinned against us. Now, unfortunately, the American culture of church, the evangelical church, does not do self-reflection. We're not taught that. We're taught, taught to get on bandwagons against this. We are known what we're against, but we're seldom taught about self-reflection or what we call meditation. Jesus meditates a lot, and you should see a lot of people are gravitating towards some type of meditation. If you look at psychotherapy, or you look at the 12-step program, or yoga, or mindfulness meditation, and on and on. People are going there because of self-reflect. The Bible is clear about self-reflection. It's a rich history of prayer and meditation practices. You know, we, we have Lexio Divina is one thing that MCF practices about meditation. And when I was new about the restored in order to restore, was we were practicing as a prayer group two years ago. And the Lord is clear on his saying through that meditation. That meditation I did in August, that I had, I was telling Jennifer, I have no idea what made me do, I haven't been to a doctor in three years, what made me decide I was physically fine, I was doing fine, and I said, you know what, I need to do this. That was through meditation. That all of a sudden I felt the Lord go, you need to do this. I didn't know why. I thought because I would be an example to you guys and try to challenge you guys to go to the doctor. I didn't think something would actually happen. The doctor said your valve is 1.75 centimeters. I don't feel anything. A healthy valve needs to be two. Mine's more than half that, my main valve. And so through this contemplative, the Lord, through the meditation, can help prevent. I really believe it's the Lord's hands in this that says, you know what, I'm not done with you, Kevin. And I want you to.
to scare? Of course. How could you tell? God is going to illuminate us as we continue to be faithful to him. Look at number four. The Lord contemplated a level of prayer. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a higher active level in prayer. God purges us of sin. It's exposed, confessed, forgiveness, and cleansed. But then God begins to illuminate on us and continue through this contemplative prayer practice when we actively meditate on what God is telling us to do. And therefore, we are, end up being consistent with God. It's interesting, if you look at a man's life or anyone that's struggling with lust, and they pray, Lord, I need to get, get this away. But sometimes the, the pornography or the lustful thoughts are because of lack of intimacy in that room with God. And so therefore, when somebody starts connecting an intimacy with God, that lust is not controlling them anymore. The lying, pretending there's something else is not. They're just saying, this is who I am. Love it, leave it or love it. And so this is where Paul talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a whole new mindset that God has for us. The higher contemplative level of prayer is for the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. I'm going to call the worship team up at this time because I don't have a lot to say about this one because this one is about experiences. You can't explain an experience. And so, therefore, I want to encourage you, if you're part of the, the leadership team, to get in the grace track in September. Or if you're part of a church, to get in the grace track in uh, February. On the screen, it's no longer about me. It's about the reality of God's eternal kingdom where everything is already good as it is. All things are reconciled. All is this oneness with God. All is at peace. This higher contemplative level of prayer takes us into a reality of God's eternal kingdom. We can't access it through the thoughts and words. We access it through the level in our heart to heart stillness. We don't, why don't we, most people experience this level of prayer and this level that I am trying to experience now? Is we don't experience heart-to-heart -heart communion with God because we never get out of our heads, our thinking, minds, form barriers of distractions. But it is the level where God really is able to clean the clutter because we are still. We are not getting in the way of God's actions in us. And as God cleansed this clutter from your pastor's heart, we come to know that no experience in the world or anything in our imagination can separate us from God's love. We are truly one with God. May God bless you and may God bless his word.